I uh, so it's like you know summer right travel any who anybody done anything this this summer outside of like you know your zip code, other than like Costco I guess that doesn't count. So um, my wife Liz and I and our four yes four kids we just uh, did a road trip up to uh, Michigan and Canada and like everywhere in between and um, it was um, it was interesting and so um, four kids. And then my wife has a husband, and I have a wife, and so that adds to it. And uh, it was just a lot of crazy. But um, I'm a road tripper. Any, any, who's a road trip fan in here? Uh, oh, you know what? That's, I guess, about what I expected. It's, I don't think we got to 10. But um, I, I grew up with them. I like them, the snacks, and just it's just fun. And so um, most of you don't, which is obvious. And even those of us that do, we're not naive to the reality that um, – you know, they're long. That's why it's a road trip, right? They're, that's just definition in there. Um, they are um, increasingly frustrating. It's not just like, you know, hey, we get in the ride and it's always great. And then we get there and no one's asked if we're there yet. No one has to go to the bathroom. You know, no one's, you know, out of coffee, me. Um, it, all these things, it's just part of it. It's just you go, it's long, it's frustrating. But, you know, at least for the eight of us that rose our hand, and I think the rest of you and Liz, I didn't see your hand go up. <laughs> I'll reword what I was going to say, which is always wise um, in my life. Even those of you that aren't road trip people, there are, you can at least give me this, at times. They can be fun. Okay, you don't have to be the weirdo with the fanny pack and the Mickey hat. That okay, that you you don't have to come all the way to my side. But there are times where it's fun, right? And so as I was thinking about our trip, um, as great as it was, and the first you know half was really refreshing, then we had to come back, and that was that was tough. My back and hip are seriously not the same still. But um, if I summarize what a road trip, if I could do it in one word, in one concept of like a real-life example, a real-life word, I would say that a road trip um, is a great opportunity for conflict. It just is. Everyone's annoying everyone, and there is literally no space. We rented a car, and, and Hertz hooked us up. We rented the, the cheapest big one we could afford, and we showed up, and they said, oh, we don't have a, a Pathfinder we're like, I'm about ready to fight somebody. I got a million kids. You throw me in some little car. How about that Suburban right there? That, you know, fine, <laughs> fine. I, I almost didn't return it. That's not a joke. I don't know. I, I should ask Pat how to do that because he knows hurts in and out. If, if there's a way to like, hey, it, it, it disappeared. Scratch the VIN off. I, I probably know a guy in Detroit could help me with that. Anyway. <laughs> It was still awful, right? It was just so, it was just, it was, it was long. It was increased, it was frustrating at every turn, literally. And, um, but there was another thing. It was also fun. And so this morning, uh, you asked for it, which I just, I told Mitch, I said, I am going to abuse that phrase. Because there's time when I'm teaching the word and it's like, hey, you know, Jesus says, da, 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 da. hey, take it up with him, right? So like, I just like my, I love doing that. Don't get mad at me. Take it up with God. This is, Maybe even above that or just below it, like take it up with yourself. I mean, you guys asked for this, and so we're going to give it to you. And so you asked for conflict. I think it was the highest uh, rated one on all those those cards. And uh, so because you asked for it, you're going to get it. And so conflict, it's long. It is frustrating and increasingly frustrating, but it can be fun because... It's fun when God gets the glory. 
And it's fun when we get outside of ourselves and our own desires and we come and we collaborate with other brothers and sisters. That's fun. And conflict is a great opportunity uh, for that. And so as we've been introducing this, this idea of this Church United and, and the text that, that Jake just read there in, in Ephesians 4, we just want to make a point to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And Paul lists a whole number of ways to do that, being kind and gentle and things that don't come natural to all people, um, any people. And so this is, this, is, this is the world that we are in. And it is, it is every relationship that we have is opportunity. And if you follow me around enough, often opportunity for conflict. And so I want you to write this down. The first blank on your card right here, um, this is going to kick us off. This will kind of be a good thread for us today and even bleed into next week with forgiveness. Don't skip that one. Write this down. All conflict is not sin. But all sin always leads to conflict. I was telling that to, to Liz this week because I try to practice sermons in front of her and she tells me how bad they are. And she was like, I don't know if that's a true statement. I said, well, you know, I think it is. And so I kept it. Um, but it definitely is because even if my sin is hidden or alone or you know, I'm not hurting anybody but myself, there's conflict between me and God. So anytime I sin, oftentimes it's directly to and fro, you know, all y'all, or another person, or my wife the most, my kids, um, no matter what the conflict is, the situation is, there's conflict between God and myself uh, when I sin. And so all conflict is not sin, and we're going to debunk some myths here in a minute, but all sin, sin always leads to conflict. And so uh, one of the things that I'll teach us uh, in the next two weeks is when it's appropriate to overlook a small thing, and then when we just simply cannot. And I would just guess in this room, if we were to just put up a little spectrum, like who, who's an avoider and who, you know, rally the troops, let's brawl, um, we're going to hit every single one of those marks uh, in between there. And, and, and that's fine. And that makes this applicable to every single one of us where we're at. And so next thing to write down here, and this is the key, this is the key in all things of life, is that conflict is an opportunity to glorify God. So it's not something, you know, many of us come in with this, this concept. This, it's probably a fear, but I don't, I'm not trying to hate on anyone who feels this way. But this, this idea that conflict is to be avoided at all, all times, at all costs. Like conflict is evil. Conflict must be sin. Well, not, not all conflict is sin. And so it's an opportunity to glorify God, and, and we want those things. And so what I want to look at is I want to give us... Start with the three ways that we do respond to conflict, and then I'll talk about areas of conflict that we have to enter into, whether you like it or not. So don't leave yet, um, and we'll get to that. So here's the three ways we, we generally um, enter into conflict. And I would say, well, all of us at times are probably all of them, but especially of these first two, you're probably going to find your, your sweet spot right away. And so the first one's pretty self-explanatory. There are, and this is your, your next blank, is that many of us are peace breakers right we're like hey we can have peace as long as you completely agree with me and if not see you later right if you're into history at all or i know there's a lot of military people around here weapons right the the colt 45 it was nicknamed the what the peacemaker which is hilarious if you're not into guns you're like um i don't think that word means what you think it means and so really 
you know, and, and even General Patton carried one even through all of World War II, even though they were not really a thing anymore, because it was that symbol of, hey, listen, I come to make peace. Unless you don't want my peace, <laughs> then I'm going to make peace. So that would be, that would be, it's a peace breaker. Sorry, Colt and friends. And so it is, it is peace breaking uh, right there. So that's that one, which, um, full disclosure, my default at all times. Um, I, I, I don't know who I was talking to this week, but I've said this many times. I'm trying to find Ephesians. There it is. Um, that I kind of live my life like I play hockey. And so I don't mind getting a little physical, um, either, either literally or verbally. And so um, I ask for it sometimes. And so, so peace breaking, uh, that is, that is, that's kind of where I would land. The second one, um, going with our rhymes, is peace faking. Where, yeah, peace faking where it's like, you know, I'm just going to put my head in the sand and pretend like there's not really conflict here, even though I am annoyed as heck at this person or what's going on. And so I'm just going to pretend this problem doesn't exist, and I'm going to just remove myself from this conflict. Now, let me say, there are extreme times where we ought to remove ourselves from conflict. So again, the, 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 the point of this is not, so let's be peace breakers. Let's go, unite, right? We'll meet with our pitchforks. No, we have examples in Scripture, right? Remember when Saul is hurling spears at young David? What does David do? He, he removes himself. Ten years in a cave on the run, he doesn't lift a finger or even a word against, in his words, the Lord's anointed. Even though Saul was anything but, David honored that and, and he removed himself rather than kill or be killed. And that's a great example uh, for us to follow, and you can read about that in the Old Testament. And so, so there's an example there of, of David doing that. And then Jesus, take it up with him, says this, Don't give what is holy to dogs, and don't throw your pearls before, you guys know it? Swine, right? Not, all right, good, good. And so there comes a point where we have to make this decision. I may not be dealing in this conflict with a sheep who wants to be shepherded by the good, kind, loving shepherd, but this may, and I'm not always right on this, but this may be a dog or a pig who wants to hang out in the mud. And I don't need to get pulled into that. I need to love them. And we're going to talk more about this, this element of the second side of conflict next week with forgiveness. Like how do we enter into that? How do we forgive and love someone who may want to go that way or has acted in that way towards us? Um, but we have to just come to that point where... Um, if I'm either doing the extreme peace, uh, peace faking, that I'm just going to let them sit there and pretend that there's not a whole lot of stinky mud going on, um, or I'm going to get in there and be like, I'm saving you from this mud, and you know, let's clean you up. And, and so there's all these things where we probably fall in one of those two. But Jesus, again, uh, in Matthew 5, look at, look at how he describes. There's a whole, this is, Matthew 5 is just golden. It's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. But I'm just going to do one verse in verse 9 where he describes, here's how I want you all to live. And he says this, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, so makers, if you want to do your third one, for they shall be called sons of God. And so, peace breaking, that's not God's way. Peace faking is not God's way. Though it might be more, well, again, we're going to be more comfortable in one of those. I'm more comfortable breaking. Many people, it seems, are more comfortable faking. Neither of those are God's way. Peacemaking. Um, is 
God's way. And so, as we enter in with that and we're holding up Ephesians 4, we see that there's this call on each of our lives, and as Jake said, to, to live worthy. And so we do that by following God's way, and especially with conflict. So we are diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, humble, gentle, patient to one another in love. And so what we're going to do here is we're going to see that God's given us a roadmap with how to handle, how to enter into, and how to handle conflict. But we have to do it his way. So you didn't come into Carl's 10 Steps to to freedom of conflict because that would be, you know, do some push-ups, um, get a peacemaker, whatever it would be, and, and do it. But that, that is not it. We're going to look at God's way, not Carl's way, not your way. God's way only. So I'm going to have a lot of caveats here because this is one of those, you know, topics, and we don't usually do topics around here, and so they're a little harder for me to, to teach, so you're going to get a lot of caveats because I don't want you to hear one thing and land on that and take this way out of context. Well, you said that we should never leave and I'm being abused. Okay, There are times with conflict that, um, in fact, Proverbs 19.11 says, it is a glory to overlook an offense. And so this is not about being the pitchfork police and uh, you said this, you bumped into me, you looked at me funny, you didn't say hi to me, and so what's wrong with you? No, it is a glory for us to overlook an offense. But when it deals with the character and the nature and the will and the way of God, we cannot overlook those things. We can overlook someone bumped into me on accident, didn't say hi to me, forgot my birthday, okay, didn't poke me back on Facebook. That's for us, you know, if you're born in the 80s, you know what that is, and, and all that. And, and so we're going we're gonna to look at four reasons that you cannot overlook an offense. So as you're going about life, Today, you think about yesterday, the rest of your life, you bump into something that looks and smells like one of these four things. We are called by God to enter into that with kindness, gentleness, and love. And go to a person and say, hey, listen, I know that you want to glorify God. I know that that you care about other people and you, you want to put God and others first before you. But I, I just might need a little understanding. I think I'm missing it because I know that you don't want to live this way. But I've noticed or seen or heard one of these four things. And so um, Proverbs 18:13 says that he who gives an answer before he hears, it is a folly and a shame to him. So that's why we go directly to the person. And we don't talk to the 16 friends or share it or fill in the blanks because we don't always, we don't ever know the whole thing. And so we're not going to fake it. We're not going to break it. So how do we make it? And so here are four things we can never overlook. Number one, these are the next four blanks, I believe, on your card. Number one, if it is dishonoring God, we have to uh, address that. The scriptures are clear that love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Rejoice in evil, your text may say. It doesn't condone sin. We are not good with that. If, if something is happening that is dishonoring God, that's a conflict that we have to uh, confront because love confronts uh, sin. So we would have to speak up if it's dishonoring God. The second one, and I'm going to hit these uh, quickly, is if it's harming relationships. The whole reason that God had to come incarnate and be the man in Jesus was to restore relationship. Primarily us and him, 
that was broken. It was severed at the fall. We were all born into it. We don't teach our kids it. We don't teach ourselves it. And we can't scratch it all off. It is in us. Broken relationship starts with God, and it permeates every relationship we have. And so if it's harming relationships that God has come to restore unity, as Paul talks in this text and a hundred others, if it's harming relationship, we must speak up. Well, not all conflict is sin. Sin always leads to conflict. And so if there's harm happening, God's people enter into it. And then building off that, number three, and this, this man, this is a hot topic in the world today. And so Christians, we shouldn't put our head in the sand and act like it ain't happening. We also maybe don't need to buy all the bullhorns on Amazon. But number three, if it's hurting other people, this is, for me, this might be the hardest one. Because I can look at given issue, given problem, and say, well, you know, you know, to, to, each, to each their own. Like, it's not bothering me. It's not affecting me. It's not happening in my part of the world. It's not happening in my family. It's not happening maybe even in my heart. Like, I'm not passionate about that, and so I, I, I don't care. I kind of go and, and, and put my head in the sand on it. We can't do that if it's hurting other people. We're called to speak up for those who don't have a voice, for, for those who, who have no one to speak for them. The greater injustice is when good men do nothing, right? And so there's, if there's something that someone's doing and they just say, hey, it's just how I want to do it. It's just how I am. Sorry, it's how I was raised or uh, whatever. And, and then obviously there, there'll be evil reasons for why we do what we do. But even if it's just kind of a, it's, it's just how I am, we can't accept that. We're charged by God to speak up for the voiceless and defenseless and the weak among us. So even if it's not hurting me, if it's hurting someone else, we have to enter into that. And then number four, uh, and this is a big one, especially with those that we really have a relationship with, is if it is uh, dishonoring or, or is it damaging that person who says they love God. So there's going to be parts of conflict and especially forgiveness next week where there's, sure, there's conflict with unbelievers all the time. There is maybe areas of life where we need forgiveness between unbelievers. That's another thing. We're talking here about conflict among the body, among believers. And so if this person claims to love God, but yet it's damaging their witness. And so witness, I think, is your blank there. So if it's damaging someone's witness, listen, I'm called to spur you on to love and good deeds. And you know what I need from you? I need you to spur me on to love and good deeds. And so if in our relationship or something's happening and it doesn't seem like love and good deeds are happening from Carl... If you care, even maybe if you don't care about me, I can still use it. But if you care about me at all, I need friends that will come and spur me on and say, hey, Carl, listen, I mean, you know, you're a pastor and, you know, you do some cool things. It seems like you want to love God. I've noticed this or I saw that or you said this. That is healthy conflict. Then it's up to me to be like, you're crazy. I don't agree with you and leave my office that I don't have. Um, and so leave the coffee shop that I guess I can't make you do. I'll leave. Fine. You know, and so there's this, this, I need that. I want that. And if you're following Christ and desiring to grow, you ought to desire that as well. So we can't overlook an offense in, in these four, four situations. We're compelled by God to play a role of a prophet at times. Um, and, and as a faithful friend who, um, 
doesn't multiply kisses. So, Jake, that's why I don't, I don't kiss people, because I don't want to multiply kisses like an enemy. I want to be a friend who, who might do a too hard of a hug and, and wound, because the wounds of a friend are trusted, and they're life-giving. And um, so no kissing uh, today. You come get a coffee mug. That's it. So if it's an offense to God, I must speak. If it damages our relationship, I must speak. That's, we don't want damaged relationships. We want wholeness and fullness that Christ has come to do. If it is hurting other people, we must speak. We cannot be silent on that. And we don't have to get caught up in the politics of it, the PC of it. We are people that God spies in enemy territory to bring about his kingdom here as is in heaven. And we get to work. And we don't fake it. We don't break it. And we just make it. We let him make it through us. And then, um, of course, if it's hurting your usefulness to God, I must speak. And when I'm hurting my usefulness to God, you better come speak to me. So Jake read Paul's words here. If you want to turn to Ephesians 4, you can. But uh, as he said, I think everyone here has ears. And, um, and there, are, there is a board if the font's big enough. Uh, and so uh, basically here, just a quick part, uh, again, on these three verses. Paul says, therefore. So therefore is big. Ephesians has six chapters. And basically you've got a half and then you've got the second half. This is the start of the second half. And so what he's referencing is all the stuff from the first three chapters. And he says... Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, again, literally, multiple times he's put in prison for his calling because he wouldn't sell out to save himself. In fact, the, the, there's elders that come later that said, Paul, don't go to Rome. You're going to be killed. He says, I must go and be killed for the glory of God. So we fake it and try to save ourselves, or we break it to save everyone else. No, we make it come what may. And Paul demonstrated that for us. So prisoner of the Lord, he implores you. There's a word to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which with which you have been called, which basically is what Paul talked about for the first three chapters. So the emphasis there is how we live. The calls will come and go. They will change. He calls us all to some general calls and he calls us specific calls at specific times for specific reasons. Whatever it is, wherever you are. We are called to live a manner worthy. We are called to demonstrate the very humility and love of Christ that was demonstrated to us and that we have received which all, with all humility and gentleness, next verse, with patience, sowing tolerance, showing tolerance, more on that in two seconds, for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So a couple words I want to just spend a second on is that word diligent uh, means persistent, hard, relentless. It means to, with all you have, bring all your resources to bear effort. It's not just, well, I tried it once, or, you know, I sent a text message, or I called, or one time I was really all in, but it didn't really work for me, or I didn't really like this. And so, no, we bear all effort. We are diligent. We don't quit. We stick with it. And so um, we must work hard to maintain that love, which takes humility, gentleness, and this whole list. And I keep repeating that intentionally because I know for Carl, those don't come naturally. I'm sorry, Liz, and kids, and you all, if we do that coffee I was talking about. And so it's just not natural to me. It's a fruit of the Spirit because I don't have it. But through Christ and my yielding to His Spirit, He has it. And so we're going to have to be filled with tolerance 
towards one another, which is that next word, tolerance. So you hear that word, and I'm not going to ask you because it's like, you know, I don't want, I just don't want you to even have to go there. But when I read that word in, in the ESV, I was like, ooh, I don't, I don't know that that's the word. Maybe I'll do another version. And then I, was, I, I read it up more, and I said, no, it's the right word. Because when Paul uses the word tolerance, it, um, it's not what it means, to, it means today. And so when Paul here is defining tolerance, he's saying, listen, we ought to tolerate the fact that all of us, every human, we are not quite who we can be in Christ yet. We are not fully redeemed. In other words, you're going to blow it. I'm going to blow it. We all will have areas where we will sin, fall short, and that sin will lead to conflict always. So we must tolerate the fact that you're not perfect. And, you know, let's play by the same rules. You must tolerate the fact that I am not perfect. This is Paul writing it. So it's like, hey, you guys take it up with Jesus. Pastors, elders, mature and mature, more mature, maybe, hopefully, Christ followers. Paul needed that grace. I need that grace, as do you all. And so that's what he means by tolerate. It doesn't mean like it means today that we ought to tolerate. In fact, Paul says, no, we ought to admonish sin. We don't tolerate sin in the camp. We don't tolerate sin. We confront it lovingly, gen- gently, and, and we deal with it. We, we, don't, we don't make excuses for it. Shall we continue sinning that grace may increase? Oh, we want to be grace, grace, grace. Paul says, by no means. By no means. We tolerate the fact that we haven't all arrived. We don't tolerate sin. We don't tolerate immorality and deception. Those break relationship with God and with people. We can't tolerate that. Lying tongues and moral lives always ruin relationships. And so the blame, this could be your last one. I, I don't really ever remember, so you just have to be smart. But this is money. This is a money line. It is not mine. I got it from a guy named Todd Wagner, who is a pastor of Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas. If you don't follow all of their stuff, do it now. Um, tolerance where people are concerned is a virtue. Right? That's pretty beautiful. We want to be for people. We want to be for what's good. We want to draw near to what's bad and we want to help create the future and so we want to draw near people we want to tolerate a love for people because our goal is not to get you know better americans or nicer people our goal is to create christ followers it's from there that the holy spirit can move in lies and so so tolerance where where people are concerned that that is a, a virtue um but tolerance where truth is concerned is a travesty and that's where I think the church ebbs and flows with this, is we want to be for people. We want to be for and choose people to God. We don't, we don't want to be bullhorn guy. Okay? And so many churches will, will give on the truth side of things. May it not be so. Yet some churches just hang out over here with truth, which is breaking peace and losing sight of tolerance where people are concerned, which is a virtue. It's a hard dance. I am extremely imperfect, as are you. Only Christ is perfect in this area. All the more reason we must yield to him and his spirit. So tolerance where people are concerned is a virtue, but tolerance where truth is concerned is a travesty. And so as Paul says, 
We must be diligent and hardworking. He's foreshadowing how hard, long, increasingly frustrating it is to be in conflict. How we must stick with it. How we must make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now, as I was um, researching this, I came across an interesting study, and it, it, I just, I had to share it with you because it blew me away. And this, this is, it's been studied over many years, and in multiple different studies found this to be true. When dealing with any relationship, but particularly a marriage relationship, um, they found that the number one cause of divorce or a break in relationship, business partner, you know, BFF, you lose the E, is when this happens, is when that relationship, when you are a habitual, and it's like, man, we could fill in a hundred answers here, if you are a habitual avoider of conflict, you are most likely to have a sever in that relationship. And so, Lizzie, great news. We're going to go the distance. All, all 13 rounds. All right. But it, I think it's true. Because eventually someone gets beat up enough and they're done. And you can say, well, I'm just a bully, or yeah, I'm just, you know, which we, no, bullies don't admit that. But my friends say I am, and, 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 and it's just enough. And so the peace is broken, and the faking can't last forever, and it's gone. And so so many of us think that um, we'll fake it, we'll pretend it's, it's not there, I'll pretend that there's no offense, when there is an offense. And that's what we have to see. It's not just, don't be the offense police. It's glory to overlook an offense. But when there's a real offense, we have to enter into that as God's people. We have to love people the way God loves us and enters into our mess. And so Scripture says that we can't overlook conflict because pain is real and that we must be people who willingly and lovingly go to others and ask for and receive godly forgiveness. I'm going to share more on that next week. Um, And so definitely you're going to want to to come back. But let's look at what our last little text here, what Jesus says in Matthew 5, because this is is a really practical take on it, where, where Jesus is at, Matthew 5. And um, there's, a, there's a literal, actual part of this that is true today, even this morning. If you recall last week, in, uh, you asked for it. Uh, you asked for money. And so uh, Mitch delivered on that. And at the end, I just hopped up and said, um, building off of one of the texts, I think it was 1 Corinthians 16, where Paul, again, is writing and says, hey, don't just come in with shame or guilt and, oh, you know, the pastor talked about money or, oh, it's offering time. I've got to throw something in there. He says, before you come, take, sit with it, determine in your heart, and then if you're married with your spouse, um, what you ought to come and give to the body, and then come and do it. And so, um, so I just shared last week, like, hey, like, we want to do that. By God's grace, and because I knew what the topic was, um, my wife and I did that last Sunday morning, and so we felt good about that. Uh, and so I asked you, hey, like, if you haven't done it, like, don't, like, feel like you got to do it. And so, I, you know, take as long as you need. But maybe some of you did that this week as I kind of nudged you to do. So now there's another governor on this. You're like, this guy like keeps not asking for money. This is weird. But, um, you know, we're just teaching the Bible here. We're not trying to get your money. And so uh, look what Jesus says here in Matthew 5. He says, um, so then if you bring your gift, so gift, offering, tithe, if you want to use the Old Testament word, 
uh, at the altar. So you're about just, you know, just drop it in there. And there you remember that your brother has something against you. Now, brother here could be sister. We're talking about believers. It could be your spouse. It could be the way you woke up this morning. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, it could be your kids. How they woke up, how they woke you up this morning. That happened. Um, and um, co-worker, friend, business partner, city group member, pastor. Whoever it is, something about it, there's conflict. Jesus says, leave your offering there before the altar. So stay in the car, keep your check in your pocket, and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, sister, spouse, kid, friend, and then come and present your offering. Jesus says that's the biblical way to go about our life. Now, look, you, you can't fix every problem, all right? As, as painful as that is for me and others, we just have to maybe, you know, sometimes say, listen, I'm, I'm really committed to, like, to working through this. And I know the hurt is big, so it's not like, dude, like, can we get this over with? I've got to give some money, or, or I've got to take communion, or uh, I just, I'm supposed to address it, or it hurts. Like, I'm committed to this, and this may take a long time. It may be long. It's going to be increasingly frustrating. But I think if we humble ourselves, not my default. If we're gentle with each other and with God's word and God's spirit, not my default. And if we're kind towards each other, that might be the worst of the three for me. At least according to my wife it is. And I am sorry. (laughs) It's real life. But I'm committed to walking through this God's way and not just trying to solve it or sweep it under the rug, or get you to capitulate with my peacemakers. We're going to walk through this. And if, if, slash, when we need help, because we do, we're going to seek it. And so if I need to make a phone call right now and, and get someone else to help us, I'm going to do that. We can agree on who it is, right? Which that's why you know, elders are a good spot. Um, or a mature believer. We're going to enter into that. Again, next week, we're going to walk through some of these practical steps because we're dealing with hurts and we're dealing with the need for forgiveness. And we're going to walk through, again, Scripture on it, not Carl's best practices. And we're going to commit to this because I can't be right with God. Literally, this is what Jesus says. If I'm not right with my brother or my sister or, or any of you. And it works both ways. Lifelong stuff Jesus is talking about. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your life. It'll change the way your kids view and love Jesus when they see this really played out. When they see Dad, who usually yells, like humble himself, my kids don't really see that very often. I almost did it yesterday, and I knew what I was about to say today. It's like, okay, if there's ever a time to, like, do it. It's just if if we were closer on the issue, I would have been there. That's literally what I said. I said, we're just too far off. I can't do it. And, and I was right. Carl couldn't do it. But Carl yielding to the Spirit must do it and can do it. And I want to, I just bet, because I know my wife, she is kind and gentle. She would have eaten that up. But I, I didn't do it. So, um, you know, maybe after lunch we can talk about that. And so it'll change your kid's view of, of, of Jesus. It'll change this church. Can you imagine 
if we actually had a relationship like this? Rather than going and telling my other people, do you know what he did or she did or he said or she said or how they looked at me? You know, they didn't say hi to me. Like when I hear that, I'm like, what? I mean, what grade are we in? But the funny thing is, I say the same thing. So what grade am I in? You know, we're all we're all disappointed. We're all just spiritual children, hopefully desiring growth. And so imagine a church that really lived this way. It would change not only every one of our relationships and, and our marriages or any relationships, single, married, kids, no kids. It would change the city. Imagine a couple hundred people living authentically like this. Like entering where we need to enter, entering in the filth of Tampa boldly for Christ but then also overlooking the petty crap that churches are just known for splits on. That's not the heart of God. We're to make every effort to avoid that. So you asked for it, take it up with Jesus, etc., etc. And so next week we'll get even more practical with, with how we look at conflict and forgiveness, but I want to close uh, with this. So whether that conflict is, is your, your spouse like, you know, one side is, hey, quit nagging me. The other side is, why don't you, you know, do something or do what you said you were going to do or quit being mean and all those things that Liz tells me to stop doing. Um, and so we get defensive, right? And that's what happened in our, our drive back from the beach, which beaches are like road trips. It's like this is long and frustrating, except it wasn't fun. And so we have to drive back. And so it's just it was bad. Um, and, and so, you know, we just have to get to that point where whether it's spouse or whoever, whoever it is, that we just have to humble ourselves and go to them and say, look, I, I believe that you love God and that you want to honor God with your life. I do, too. And I know it doesn't always look like it. But I know that you don't want to hurt our relationship. You don't want to hurt your relationship with God. You don't want to hurt other people. And, and I know you don't want to damage your testimony because there's a lost world that's watching you. There are little kids growing up watching you. There is a church of people watching you. There is a lost world. And, and when they see us not living up to true godly conflict and love and forgiveness, they don't see Christ as he is. And so I just, again, I must be missing something, and I'm sure I'm part of the problem, but can we just humbly sit down face to face? If we need help, we'll get it. And can we just sit with this and not let it be brushed over like it always is? Can you, I mean, it almost sounds ridiculous saying it out loud, because we, who, would, who of you could, don't raise your hand, you know, macho man, Randy in here, but who could actually say, I will do it. I've done it. Thank you for saying this because I need to meet with you, <laughs> Carl, and I'm going to do it. But this is the way of Christ. It is the church in action. We're called to it. And so we must make every effort to do it. And we must live worthily of the calling we've been called. And so ultimately, it's, it's God's word and God's way. Don't break peace. Don't fake peace. Make it. Be peacemakers in his way. And don't miss the fun part of Matthew 5, 9. Be blessed. Uh, everybody wants that.
This is how it happens. Don't be ticked off and annoyed and quit and leave. Be blessed. I don't know. It's tough. It is tough. Because Carl can't do it. Only Christ in me by the grace of God. And so it's not going to be easy. It's a long and you know, long and winding road. It's perpetually frustrating. But when God gets the glory, it's stinking fun. This would be fun if I have to meet with all you jokers and apologize and ask forgiveness. It would be fun eventually. Maybe not the first one. It'd be fun. And so we're committed to doing life together because all of us are better when we're together and when we're united and we maintain that unity in the spirit of the bond of peace. And so next week, as I said about 12 times, we'll walk through practical steps of forgiveness. There's not a soul who's ever lived or, or, or will live that doesn't need help in this area.